Welcome to you wherever you're at, whomever you are with. We are so very glad that you are here with us uh, for a few moments this weekend. Before we jump into our teaching, do want to mention quickly the Version Bible app. It's absolutely free. Download it on your phone or your device. If you look under events, search for Arlington FM. There you can find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. Also, when you're in your favorite podcast player, likewise, search for Arlington FM Church. There you will find all of our teaching content for you to review, share with friends. Well, uh, we are in a series. In fact, today we uh, come to the end of uh, what I've considered an epic series called Let's Get It Started. And uh, it's an invitation from God to move into new seasons in our lives. You know, sometimes uh, we get used to the same old, same old. We get in our routines, we get in our ruts, we get stuck. And uh, God invites us uh, to kind of transition, shift gears, go to a different level in our experience of him. And uh, we've been uh, jumping off of this text in uh, prophet Isaiah. Uh, he speaks to a group of exiles who's been, uh, been separated from God's best for 70 years. They're ready for something new. And so Isaiah speaks into that, hopefully speaks into your life and says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Even now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness, and I'm making streams in the desert. And uh, as we have recounted each week, according to the prophet Isaiah, uh, declaring the heart of God, there are signs of the new seasons that God is inviting us into. Uh, it's a God thing. It's something God has already started He's just asking us to clue into it. It's new. It's different. It's a break from where we've been, what we've been struggling with, what's been holding us back. Uh, it's a new way of doing life with God. And uh, along with this, it opens up new direction. God says, I'm making a way in the wilderness. You know, I love this uh, from another part of Isaiah's prophecy. He speaks to this new direction. He says, look, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. You know, I've uh, come to really rely on my Google Maps navigator, and uh, I really take little thought for where I need to go nowadays. I just plug in the address or uh, do a verbal search, and lo and behold, off we go. And, uh, you know, God is saying, I want to guide you like that. I want to help you with the big and the little decisions in your life. And I want to bring new and clear direction. And finally, it comes with new provision. God says, I'm making streams in, in the wasteland, in your wasteland. You know, I hope uh, that if you've been following this series, I hope you're experiencing some newness, uh, some new things in your own uh, relationship, your outlook on life, uh, your uh, relationships, perhaps with your spouse with your children, with your friends, uh, with your co-workers. Uh, I really believe that uh, it only takes a thought, a, a truth from God to penetrate our hearts, and suddenly uh, things become new, uh, new opportunities, new doors open up to us. I often think of this one story we shared of a man who was addicted for decades. In fact, his brother uh, suffered the same addiction, died from it, this man went in and out of some of the best treatment centers in the country, always relapsed. And uh, one day, almost inexplicably, he got up and had a thought. And the thought was, I don't have to live like this. 
And he didn't. He chose to walk in a different direction. And uh, that's the nature of the newness that God can introduce into our circumstance. Uh, the Apostle Paul made this statement. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And, you know, that doesn't uh, dismiss the fact that we may have a lot of baggage, a lot of things to undo, uh, but it doesn't change the reality. If we've opened up to Christ, things have become new, and we can step into those. Uh, Jesus said it like this, the one who hears my voice has crossed over from death to life. You know, that qualifies as new. And so uh, that's the name of this series. Let's get it started. If God's already doing new things, wants us to step into a new way of uh, overcoming issues that we've carried perhaps for years, uh, what's keeping us back? What's holding us back? Why would we stay stuck in the same old, same old? Well, to answer that question, we've been referring uh, to a, a guy known as John, the beloved disciple, and uh, he has uh, been noted to author three important parts of our New Testament, the gospel according to John, the epistles, first, second, and third John, and the very last book in the Bible, the revelation of John. And uh, through John's writings, uh, we've been uh, asking some rather provoking questions that help us answer what's holding us back, what's keep us, keeping us from stepping into those new things that God is already doing and wanting to uh, clarify our direction and give us new provision. And uh, quickly, here are the questions we asked each week. Uh, number one, do you want to be well? Uh, number two, what do you do with your garbage, with the things that aren't as they should be? Well, according to John, God has provided a way. Uh, why do you live or why do you lie to yourself? Why aren't we more open to the truth about where we need to grow and where we get to go in our relationship with God, what causes us to do the cover-up? Uh, John also provokes us to ask, how do you measure success? What is it you look to uh, to say, I'm, I'm progressing, according to John? We had this growing experience of the release from our sins. We're learning personally how to overcome evil in our lives. And uh, we're growing in the knowledge of God and our experience of Christ. And uh, a couple weeks ago, we asked the question, why do you let negative people set the tone of your life? You know, it's yours to set. God gives you the opportunity to have a unique outlook based on his truth revealed to you. Uh, last week, we asked the question, why don't we live like we mean it? You know, why do we uh, proclaim to know a certain set of truths, but there's often this great distance between our experience of those truths and what we profess to believe? Well, uh, here's today's final question as we uh, come to the end of this series and again, provoked by the teachings of John in his epistles, is uh, why do you settle for cheap imitations when God is offering uh, you the real thing? Uh, why do we often settle for an imitation of, of life when God is offering us the real thing? You know, a number of years ago, I traveled uh, to the Philippines, and we were in the great city of Manila. And uh, one day, it was kind of a shopping day. We went to a very unusual mall. It, uh, it uh, had it, like 10 stories. Each floor was filled with uh, all kinds of amazing trinkets, uh, some of them really good finds, some of them not so good finds. And uh, I found a, a Rolex watch 
for $10, brand new. And uh, as you might guess, it was not the real thing. It was a knockoff, cheap imitation. And I still have that watch to this day. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the shows I like to fall asleep to is called The Antiques Roadshow. If you've ever watched it, you know it can be like a drug, kind of mind-numbing. But uh, one of the things that's kind of comical is when uh, people think they found something that's highly valuable. Maybe they paid a little bit too much for it, and they bring it in, and they're ready for their assessment of its value. And uh, the, the uh, authority it begins to itemize the things that clue you in. This is not the real deal. This is a cheap imitation and uh, you know uh, here's the truth when it comes to religion and belief systems uh, let's just admit this there's a lot of cheap imitations going around there's a lot of trashy things being marketed in the name of authentic truth and a lot of those uh, cheap imitations unfortunately come under the name christianity you know uh some of the most uh some of the most uh, heinous dictators in history have uh, committed their atrocities under the name of Christianity. And so John would ask us the question, why do we settle for any lesser imitation and uh, in exchange for the real thing that God is offering us? You might ask, well, how do you distinguish? How do you know the difference between something that's the real deal something that's a cheap imitation that's exactly where john goes uh, in his teaching to his friends and to us john chapter 4 the beloved disciple writes these words dear friends do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from god or not because the truth of the matter is many false prophets have gone out into the world and that now he begins to say, uh, this is how you can recognize uh, the authentic from the cheap imitation. This is how you recognize the Spirit of God. Uh, every spirit that acknowledges uh, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Uh, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. And you may think, well, what in the world is John saying there? Well, he's beginning to itemize what it is that marks the authentic uh, response uh, to the truth of God. And he says, uh, here's your first hallmark of authenticity. Uh, Anyone that acknowledges that God has completely made himself known in the person of Jesus Christ and that uh, Jesus Christ is uh, not just some aloof, uh, distant, doctrinal figure. He came in the flesh, uh, God among us, as John wrote in his gospel, the truth about God, the word of God became flesh and lived among us. And, uh, you know, John is saying that uh, you want to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ. It begins with this. It, It begins with the recognition that eternal God has made himself completely known in the human, in the person, Jesus Christ. And uh, not only that truth, but what John is saying is we acknowledge that Jesus is not only God in the flesh, he's my Lord and he's my God. Uh, Think of the end of John's gospel 
when uh, John, uh, John records uh, the appearance of the risen Lord Jesus, and uh, one of the 12 is not there. It's a guy named Thomas. In fact, we've come to know him as Doubting Thomas. And uh, he, he made the proclamation, unless I put my hands in his, the nail marks in his hands and touch his side, I'm not going to believe. And so Jesus shows up. Uh, John uh, records that Thomas is invited uh, to touch the wounds of the risen Lord Jesus. And he makes this proclamation my Lord and my God. And that, that is exactly what uh, John is beginning to identify. Uh, the first mark of an authentic Christian is someone who not only confesses that God has made himself known in the person of Jesus, but that Jesus, his lordship and his leadership has become the central guiding uh, point in my life. You know, there's a huge difference between uh, acknowledging something and uh, believing something and uh, living the truth of something. And so John begins to identify it's this responsiveness uh, to the leadership of Jesus that is the, the first hallmark of authentic Christianity. Uh, he goes on, he says, you dear children, you're from God. And you've overcome this spirit of imitation, these cheap imitations, uh, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And so uh, John is now saying, you've opened your heart uh, to the lordship, to the presence of God revealed in Jesus Christ. And uh, there's, a, there's another uh, uh, kind of persuasion of the Christian faith, and John refers to them as they. They are from the world. And they speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. You know, John is saying there's a whole other way of doing the Christian faith, and it's a way of not responding to the lordship and the leadership of Jesus. John is saying, look, that's a brand of truth that a lot of people are open to. They like the idea about the lordship of Christ, but when it comes to the... Uh, the minute matters of their own lives, their thoughts, their reactions to people. They want nothing to do with the lordship, the commands, the leadership of Christ. Uh, that's kind of another deal altogether. You might say it like this. Uh, fighting for Christian ideas and ideals without surrendering to the lordship of Jesus Christ, in John's view, that's a false religion that you've somehow, uh, you've separated, you've created two different versions of what Jesus came to bring. Uh, he came to bring the kingdom of God, and we enter into that by surrendering to his leadership. And uh, there's a way of uh, teaching the ideas and the ideals of the Christian faith without submitting to the lordship and the leadership of Christ. Um, you know, there are many examples of that. Uh, but uh, John goes on, he says, look, we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not. And this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Now, uh, in reading those words, you may think, well, John, that's a pretty arrogant statement to say, you know, the way that we follow Christ demonstrates that we're from God, the way that others proclaim to demonstrates that they're not. And uh, so that could seem like a, a pretty arrogant outlook 
on life. But uh, here's what John is, is trying to identify. He's saying, look, there is a common denominator uh, for all uh, humans who really respond to the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's a baseline. Uh, you, can, you can identify it. There's, a, there's, a, uh, there's something that comes out of our lives when we're submitted to the leadership of Christ that does not come out of our lives when we're not. Hear that again. There's something that comes out of our lives when we submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ and the quietness of our own hearts that does not come out of us when we refuse to do that. You know, uh, John is saying this is easily recognizable in people. It's like a smell. You know, the sense of smell is a really kind of a phenomenal uh, sense, superpower that God has given us. I was doing a little reading on it. Yeah, we all know that uh, especially dogs uh, kind of have it all over us when it comes to a sense of smell. In fact, I read a bloodhound has been referred to as a nose with a body attached to it. And when you look into the physiology of a bloodhound, they have over 230 million scent receptors in their snout. <laughs> Think about that. Over 230 million uh, scent receptors in their snout. And thus, uh, they are able to follow a scent. Perhaps someone just walked along a certain path. Uh, a bloodhound is able to pick up that scent uh, from as long as two weeks ago. Uh, but apparently, when you look into the animal kingdom, uh, the elephants are the kings and the queens of this sense of smell. And uh, they've been known to pick up a scent 12 miles away. Think about that. Uh, that's a superpower I don't necessarily want. But here's what John is saying. Uh, authentic submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ is something you can smell. Uh, it's either there or it's not. And uh, John kind of tells us what that smells like. He says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is the most definitive statement John could make about God as he's revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And so uh, John begins to define now what it is we smell from other people who have really surrendered and submitted their lives to the lordship of Christ, which is the message of salvation. And John says, they smell like love. You might say it like this. When our lives begin to revolve around loving people, we take on the aroma of Christ in the world. Hear that again. When our lives begin to revolve around loving people, we take on the aroma of Christ in the world. But it's a particular kind of love that John is describing. You know, it's like uh, winter is uh, coming upon us. And uh, it's like that difference between wet snow and powder snow. Anyone who's into winter sports would tell you there's a dramatic difference between those two realities. And uh, John is saying that the kind of love 
that comes out of our lives when we really surrender to the Lordship of Jesus has a particular aroma to it. And uh, here is what it is. He said this love, uh, this is love, not that we loved God, that's something that comes from our efforts, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's important. Uh, this is the kind of love that comes out of the hearts of those who surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Uh, it's the kind of love that uh, comes as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, uh, since God loved us like this, we also ought to love one another. Those are huge words in John's outlook on life and authentic Christianity. Dear friends, since God so loved us in this unique way, we also ought to love one another in this unique way. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God himself lives in us and his love flourishes or is made complete in us. Now, uh, this is important uh, as we come to the end of this series on entering into new seasons of our lives. Uh, John is telling us, you know, the greatest environment that we could live and flourish in is love, but it's a peculiar kind of love. It's not like I love pizza or I love fall. It's, a, it's the kind of love that was demonstrated when Jesus came as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He came to cover our imperfections. He came to make a way for us and all of our brokenness to experience God. This is the kind of love that is released into our lives when we, we respond and open up to the lordship and the leadership of Jesus. And John is saying, this is the kind of love that marks authentic Christians, is this desire to cover people, uh, to, to love the unlovable, uh, to somehow reveal the nature of God to people who may be far away from God. Now, I, I want to make this a reality point. You know, I was reading through uh, the Psalms this last week in my devotionals, came to Psalm 109. If you want a good psalm to read when you're mad at people, read Psalm 109. Uh, in this psalm, uh, David's really ticked off at some people who have been making life hard for him. And so uh, in his prayers to God, he, he essentially says, Lord, whack them, do them in. Uh, may, they, may they wither, may their families end up in ruin, uh, may their children be jobless, may their wives be barren. And David goes on and on and on. And, uh, you know, this is a, a far cry from what Jesus taught, that we should love our enemies and do good to them. Uh, but I believe that the reason psalms like that are in the Bible is God's informing us, uh, if you're going to commit your life uh, to honoring me, you're going to have to find a way to deal with your garbage. You're going to have to find uh, something healthy to do, uh, because the truth of the matter is, uh, it's not easy to love the way Jesus loved us. It's not easy to give ourselves as an atoning sacrifice, a hopeful, hoping uh, that our unconditional love towards people might somehow reveal God to them. That's probably the most, uh, the biggest pill we could try and swallow. And uh, I think that the, the, the wrong way to deal with that is to pretend that there aren't bad people out there that there aren't uh, evil people in the world that we need to be wary of. In fact, uh, Jesus himself said, be wise as serpents, 
but be gentle as doves. But uh, here is what John is saying. If you're really responding uh, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that eternal God has revealed himself through this person that we have opened up to, if you're really going to follow him, you've got to figure out a way to give yourself to others the way he gives himself to you. I love this idea. Love like you've never been hurt. You know, here's a here's a picture of uh, two people that I consider heroes. One is named uh, Jackie Hunt, Brosma. Uh, she lost both of her legs, uh, one of her legs to cancer. And uh, she now runs marathons every day. In fact, she set a record of running over 100 marathons in a row. I can't fathom that <laughs> anyone could accomplish that. And this other guy named Hugh Herr, as a teenager, uh, he was out in the New Hampshire snowstorm and uh, was lost for several days. And when they found him, he had frostbite in both of his legs, had to amputate them both. Within a few years, he fashioned prosthetics for himself and uh, retook up uh, his hobby of rock climbing. You know, those are just two of many examples of people who chose to overcome their pain and their setbacks. And uh, what John is inviting us into, authentic uh, Christian faith, is uh, to love others like we've never been hurt uh, out of this reservoir of love that we receive from God through Jesus Christ. Uh, John goes on, he says, look, this is how we know that we live in Christ and he is living in us. He's given us his spirit and we've seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And that's, a, that's the example, the Savior of the world, bringing God to others. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and we rely on the love that God has for us. And in summary, uh, John uh, kind of brings his whole thoughts together. He says, God is love. Whoever lives in love, lives in God and God lives in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. We can be confident that we chose the authentic and didn't settle for a cheap imitation. In this world, we are like Jesus. You want to know what authentic Christianity smells like? Well, it smells like people who live in this world like Jesus did, giving ourselves so that God can be made known to others. I want to invite you to uh, pray with me. Uh, Father, thank you for the love that you have for people. Thank you for the love that you have for us. And uh, I would encourage you to make that personal right now. Say, uh, Father God, thank you for the love that you have for me. And uh, maybe you've never responded uh, to the expression of God's love in the person of Jesus Christ, uh, but you sense his presence you sense his invitation, and you want to open up to that, uh, I would encourage you to say to him, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for covering my sins. Thank you for coming to reveal the love of God to me. I, I open up to that. I receive that. Thank you for releasing me from my sins. Uh, teach me uh, how to be an authentic expression of your life. In your love, I pray in Christ's name, amen.